Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. On Friday, we were watching the opening ceremonies to the Olympics, which I find very exciting. Uh, to see all of the countries come in. The unfortunate part was there were no uh, people in attendance because of all that was going on. But to watch all the nations come in, the different countries, the costumes, carrying their flags, and just the excitement uh, of what was happening there, I couldn't help but think that's going to be a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, uh, it says this in Revelation 7, 9, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. What an exciting time when we get to heaven and there'll be people from every tribe, every nation, and every language. With the opening ceremonies, they usually sing this song from John Lennon from the Beatles, Imagine. And the opening line to that is, imagine there is no heaven. And my first thought, I've heard that song a million times, was no thanks. If earth is as good as it gets, we're all in trouble. Heaven is our hope. I don't want to imagine that there is no heaven. I mean, that's a terrible, fatalistic view of things. But in this world run by the prince of the power of the air. That's how it goes. Lenin envisioned, John Lennon, the beetle, uh, envisioned a utopia without Christ, okay? But the Bible represents a heaven and speaks to a heaven with Christ. And it represents that all of everything, all of his story is his story about Jesus, about Jesus. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus and Jesus glorifies the Father, See, working all together. Imagine there's no heaven, no thanks. The Bible represents heaven with Christ. And so we become, the question is, now, if, if John Lennon represents the view of the world, are you going with Lennon or the Bible? Uh, I'm going to go with God's word. One person was killed and still dead, and one person was killed and still alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm going with him. I'm going with the resurrected one. One paints this picture of a utopia that just can't exist because of a sin. And one presents the reality of all that believe and receive will someday be united around the throne and around the lamb saying salvation belongs to our God from every tribe and every nation. That's a much more beautiful picture than anything man could conceive. I'm going with the word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So we have this picture in, in eternity of unity, but one of the things and one of the tools of the devil is division. He wants to bring division. And we see this lived out in our world today where forces are trying to divide us in every way possible. 
trying to divide us by race, trying to divide us by color, trying to divide us by socioeconomic status, by gender, by political affiliation, by anything else that can be used to divide people. That's the forces of the enemy. But God wants to bring us together under the name of Jesus Christ and be unified. And here's our takeaway for today, because the unified church is unstoppable. Unstoppable. The unified church is unstoppable. Unstoppable. So watch God's picture of the church, and then I'm going to give some more explanation to this in just a few minutes. You're, you're going to want to have your Bible available. I have a lot of scripture that I'm going to share with you today. I'll try to go through it quickly, but I want you to see it for yourself. The church was created not by man, but by God. I said in the online service that the church isn't man-made, but God-breathed. It's not man-made, but God-breathed. The church is God's idea and God's concept of all who have believed and received. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Now, here's what that basically means, the Jews and the Gentiles, okay? The Jews, they considered themselves God's people the circumcised and everyone else that wasn't Jewish was considered the Gentiles and meaning in their minds ungodly. But remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The church was created, God breathed, so that Jews and Gentiles could come together and worship Jesus. Barriers that used to exist were broken down. By setting aside the flesh, uh, uh, in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. And in one body, that's the church, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came, he preached peace to you who were far away, that's the Gentiles, and peace to those that were near, that's the Jewish people. For through him we both, Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one spirit. See, the world system and some religious systems wants to divide, but God wants to unify through Jesus Christ because God understands the power of unity. Think of the Trinity, perfectly unified. He wants that to be, be in existence in the church of Jesus Christ. We can look at our church now and see that we come from different places, uh, born in different countries, different nationalities, different races, different cultures, different socioeconomic status, and yet here we are today all singing together, shout to the Lord. That's awesome to me. That's awesome to me. And I just believe that a unified church is unstoppable. Is unstoppable. Pandemic can't stop it. Whatever else is going on in the world can't stop it. 
when we set aside that which divides us and focus on him who unites us, that church becomes unstoppable. Unity through Jesus Christ. Now, think of the early church, though. In Acts chapter 6, we dealt with the issue of the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And I'm not going to get into all that, but what it shows is that most of the early believers were Jewish. The apostles were all what nationality? Jewish. Jesus was born what? Okay, so there was this, and they were all fine with that. This is great. Now Jesus came, and now he's the fulfillment. He's the Messiah and everything. But Jesus went and ministered to the Samaritan woman, breaking down barriers, and the apostles were like, wait, what? Whoa, whoa. He woo. You know, you're the, you're the, uh, the, 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 uh, you're the example. You know, you're the, the archetype of everything, uh, Lord Jesus, and yet you're, you're talking to a Samaritan. And not just a Samaritan, but to a Samaritan woman that's an outcast because of her sin. See, he, Jesus broke down these barriers. Jesus went and, and ate with Zacchaeus, who was a Jewish tax collector working for the enemy, cheating his own people. Jesus was accused of being a glutton and a drunk because he hung around people that were unacceptable. But what Jesus did is he accepted them. And then what did Zacchaeus do? He accepted Jesus. You see how that, see how that works? See? The enemy constantly wants to divide, 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 divide. You're in this category. They're in that category. You're right. They're wrong. You're on God's side. They're on the devil's side. No, we're all in the church. We're all on Jesus' side. And we want to lift up his name and glorify him. Watch what happens to division when we worship. If we have division here and here, different views on whatever, the more we worship the Lord and we take our attention off of our own things, the, the, the closer we get to him and the closer we get to one another. It's awesome. Came into church today and Pastor Joe's trying to open the service and everybody's talking. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, eventually you got to listen. Okay, I get that. But I thought it was exciting. People just fellowshipping and sharing and talking. And, and I, I, I know that the old school was, you know, you had to be somber and don't talk and, and all of that stuff. And there's a time for that as well, like while the preaching is going on. <laughs> but there's also a time for fellowship because we're all in desperate need of friends and we're all in desperate need of fellowship. You understand the picnic's not about the picnic, right? The barbecue's not about the food. I mean, it's a high priority, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's about just getting together. It's the seniors group was not about the ice cream they had. It's about getting together. We just need one another. We've, we've been divided and separated, and, and we got along, and sometimes we can get too used to it, but the bottom line is it's not good for man to be alone. We need each other. And think how strong we are together, and that's why the enemy works so hard to divide us. Let's not let that happen. So here we have the early church. They were Jews, and they grew up believing the Gentiles were unclean. They grew up believing that the Gentiles were dogs, not the cute little domesticated ones, but wild and untamed. You know those Gentiles. 
Jews would not associate with Gentiles. The Jews had their own dietary laws laid out in the Old Testament. They would not enter a Gentile's home, and they certainly would not eat a Gentile's food. Now, that's all the background to our passage today in Acts chapter 10, and that's where I'm going to focus our time, the rest of our time today. At Caesarea, I'm going to read quickly, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius who was a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. So what nationality was Cornelius? He was an Italian. Glory to God, God's second chosen people. It says it right there. He and his family, although Gentiles in our context here, they were, uh, they were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared in fear. Verse 4, what is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, the house by the sea, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel spoke to him, had gone, Cornelius called him. He told them everything, verse 9. At noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went upon, up on the roof to pray. Now watch what's happening here. God, at the point of the triangle, let's say, was speaking to Cornelius, and now he was about to speak to Peter. And although they were separated, God was speaking to both of them. And watch my hands. He was about to bring them together. Now, it's hard to even comprehend how much of a barrier there was back then. But there was a huge barrier that wouldn't be crossed, that couldn't be crossed other than through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so Peter goes up to pray, and he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven opened, and something like a large sheet let down on, uh, to the earth on four corners, and it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Now, in Old Testament dietary law, those animals would be considered what? Right. Then a voice said to him, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And watch what Peter says in verse 14. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, let me explain to you how difficult this was for Peter. When I was growing up, we would open our Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve, right at midnight, okay? And, and, and we would open them, and then we would play with our gifts and, and go to bed, and we would get up and play with our gifts and stuff, and then we'd go to my grandmother's house. Now, my grandmother had a kitchen not just upstairs, but she had a kitchen downstairs, okay? The kitchen was nice, but the real business took place in the basement. Does anybody understand what I'm saying here? We would pull in, park in the back of their house, and walk in. And as soon as we walked in the door, we were met with the smell of my grandmother's sauce. Now, my grandmother's been gone for 20 years, maybe. There are days, good days, when I can still smell that sauce. 
when I can almost taste my grandmother's sauce. And what we would have every Christmas was homemade ravioli. She made old school ravioli where she, you know, the dough, lay it out, and she had a, 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 a and a, and a, and a, and we would get there knowing that we were going to eat to the glory of God. It was an amazing, amazing thing that I still long for those days. And it wasn't just my family, but it was my dad's family, the brothers, cousins, everybody. And we would go down to the basement where the tables would be set and the sauce would be cooking and the food was being served. And we just couldn't wait to get to that ravioli. It's an awesome thing. But then I was sleeping one day and God revealed to me something. Actually not. But imagine anticipating and waiting for grandma's homemade ravioli with sauce. And you walk in and this is what's being served. Canned ravioli. Oh, it's yeah, it's canned meat ravioli. That's even worse. I didn't even realize it was canned meat ravioli. We went to the store yesterday, and I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it. Dora went with me, and she picked it up with her bare hand. Okay. She's becoming an Italian over the years, but she was born a. But she's gradually becoming an Italian. So she got it with her bare hands. But can you imagine going to grandma's house and this is what they serve? I have some words for it. Repulsive. <laughs> Disgusting. Nauseating. That's what Peter was experiencing. Now, that's a funny way to say it, okay? And I did that on purpose, obviously. But so foreign was this concept to Peter that he said, Lord, I've never eaten canned ravioli and I'm never going to eat canned ravioli. That's just the way it is. I would, and this is from Pastor Sabella, and you can quote me on this, I would rather go home to heaven than have to eat canned beef ravioli. If things ever get that bad for Mrs. Sabella and Pastor Sabella, we're just going to come to your house. I have some of you in mind that I know will not serve me, will not serve me beef ravioli. Some of you, I'm not sure. So don't expect a knock on your door. But that's kind of what the vision was. It was repulsive to Peter. That, that's not, I will never eat that stuff. Can I just get to the, the, the point here? The vision wasn't about food. It was about people. God was saying to Peter, the people that I declare clean are clean. The people that I want to save, it doesn't matter what nationality they come from. It doesn't matter what race they come from. I want them all to be part of the family. Jokingly, yes, they might have grown up eating canned beef ravioli, but I have something better for them. 
I have the marriage supper of the Lamb awaiting them. And Peter, I want you to be the one that hold the keys to the kingdom to enter into this new realm so that the prophecy, what I consider prophetic in Acts chapter 1-8, and you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, that's Cornelius. The gospel was being opened to the Gentiles in a way that could not have been imagined other than in the heart of God. It was an awesome thing that was happening here. And God said to him, I want you to go to Cornelius' house. And I'm thinking Peter's like, wow. But gradually, God was breaking down Peter's heart because he did this. And I, I, I've read this so many times, but I caught it really strong this time, that those three guys that came to get him, he invited them into the house and so he let Gentiles into his house, and he was about to go to a Gentile's house. Because God is not about food. God's about people. And God loves people. And which people does he love? He loves all people. And whatever the enemy tries to do to divide, God loves them. And we as a church welcome everyone. Because a unified church is unstoppable. All right, so watch what happens here. I'm going to jump down uh, quite a bit, quite a bit here. Let me read through and see where I can skip to. So they come to his house. Again, God sends word down, Cornelius and Peter, they're beginning to be unified here. Okay, so Peter goes with them and he begins to preach the gospel with them. While he was still wondering what this vision was all about, they came and God began to confirm. Verse 23, Peter invited them into his house to be his guest. That was a big deal. That was a big deal happening, happening there. Verse 34, so Peter goes to Cornelius' house and he began to speak. He says, now I realize... Do you see verse 34? Now, Peter didn't realize it before, grew up in church, walked with Jesus, now filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Do you see the barriers being broken, the walls being broken? You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea. I'm jumping. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. How he went around doing good uh, and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was witnesses or God was with him. 39, we are witnesses of everything he did. Peter saying, I saw it. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. This man that I'm talking about, Cornelius, is Jesus. You've heard about him. I'm witness of this, and I'm sharing with you now. And so he commanded us to go and to preach. That's what's happening now. 
All the prophets testify about him. And I love this in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Peter wasn't even done preaching yet, and God showed up. And I'll add this word that we've used several times, and Garrett used it. Suddenly, immediately, after a period of waiting, after a long period of waiting, suddenly, immediately, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And all who heard the message, Cornelius, who was the powerful one, and the people in his household who were working for him and with him, all heard the message of the gospel. God broke down barriers that kept people from hearing and responding, and now they were responding. The circumcised believers now in verse 45 who had come with Peter were astonished. The circumcised believers, meaning the Jewish believers, again, they grew up hating they wouldn't say it, but they hated the Gentiles. And they weren't so sure about this whole thing, I'm guessing, with Peter. We'll go with you because you're, you know, you're the apostle Peter. We get that. But I don't know about this whole Gentile thing. But God showed them. They were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. You see the word, even on the Gentiles. God was working and moving. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being what? So you need to be baptized in water. The first thing they did when they received was they carried that belief into action, which was water baptism. So if you haven't been baptized, I'll reiterate what Pastor Joe said. You need to be baptized. All you got to do is talk to us. Uh, Pastor Joe, myself, any of us, be happy to help you with that. Anyway, be baptized. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. All right, I'm almost done. Verse, chapter 11. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea that the Gentile, uh, the, the apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, okay, back to the mother church in Jerusalem where the apostles were. Can you imagine pastoring that church? The circumcised believers criticized him. What are you, watch how I do it. What are you doing? <laughs> and he said, you, you, Peter, the lead apostle, went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? They were astounded by that. Peter tells them, as I began to speak, verse 15, we're jumping down, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. Oh. See, the work that was, watch, the work that was being done was not just in Cornelius' heart, it was in Peter's heart. Do you categorize people and some you accept and some you reject? Then God wants to do a Peter type of work in your life. Are you angry and, and, and you wouldn't say it, but hateful towards people that have different views or different races? or different nationalities, or different political views. 
then God wants to do a, a Peter work in your life. Because you can't reach Cornelius with the love of God until the love of God transforms you. Glory. Do a work in our hearts and lives right now, Lord Jesus. Do a work. In our minds, barriers, break them in Jesus' name. The people you've placed in our lives, they're not in a category. They're people that you love and that you died for. Forgive us, Lord, for whatever category we've placed people in. Do the work in our hearts like you did in Peter's heart, oh God. I'm going to talk real with you now. Jesus talked about if you call people certain names, there are different punishments for it. And the worst name is Raka, R-A-C-A. And he says if you use that word, you are in danger of hellfire. I'm going to explain to you in modern terms what that means. If you use unacceptable, offensive names to categorize other people, hateful names, be careful of your own heart because you might not know Jesus in the way you think you know Jesus. I'm not going to use those terms, and I never use those terms, and I don't want to ever hear anybody in our church use those terms. But they're hateful, they're mean, and what it means, those words mean that you're useless, that you're good for nothing. That person that you categorized, Jesus died for that person on the cross. And Jesus loves them. And so those words should never come out of our mouth because if they come out of our mouth, they've already been in our heart. Unity. Unity. A united church is unstoppable. A a divided church is not a church. I remember what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Peter realized it's not just for the apostles, it's for everyone. It's not just for the Jews, it's the Gentiles. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? What a transformation took place in Peter's life. What a transformation. And when they heard this, those that criticized him, they had no further objections. They praised God saying, so then even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let's rejoice as heaven rejoices that someone has come home to Jesus. It doesn't matter where they came from, what their race, what their nationality, what socioeconomic status, what their political beliefs. Those that come to Jesus, we're going to celebrate. Because a unified church is unstoppable, is unstoppable. The devil may continue to divide, but we will strive to be unified for the glory of God in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said,
Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.